My relationship with Vincent and my relationship with Richard began with a completely different set of mutual interests and impact significance. By mutual interest, I mean how much did we care about our Guanxi at that moment in time and what are the opportunities and expectations? By impact significance, I mean how did we perceive the potential benefits and ramifications of developing our relationship or Guanxi? In Chinese, there is a term called Li Yi that summarizes the current level of mutual interest and impact significance. For example, a husband and wife has the highest level of Li Yi Guanxi because the mutual interest is completely bound together, as well as the potential mutual benefits of a positive and productive relationship, which would be its impact significance. You see, Chinese people are constantly calculating in their minds how to behave and respond based on the Li Yi Guanxi or mutual interest plus impact significance of the relationship and the likelihood that it is progressing along a positive trajectory. So from our Western point of view, it's valuable for us to better understand why Chinese people behave the way they do and how to interpret their behavior for signs of deception. Now I say deception because it's a term we all understand, but in the proper cultural context, this so-called deception isn't as duplicitous as we interpret it to be when we observe bad behavior from our Chinese counterparts, nor is it as intentional as we might perceive, given that there is a causality between our attitude, mindset, and approach, and their li yi guanxi calculation. In other words, we can change their calculation of li yi and influence their corresponding behavior. So let me give you a hint. If you understand how to exchange goodwill in the Chinese cultural context, your counterparts would be less likely to attempt to extract it from the local value chain. I call this goodwill extraction, which we'll explore later when I introduce to you my first local Chinese channel partner, Jack, and how knowing what I know now would have led to different decisions and actions that would have prevented him from lying, cheating, and stealing from our company. And by the way, Jack was a relative of someone in our network, the highest level of Guanxi, but you'll soon discover that close Guanxi presents other challenges that are magnified due to the increased expectations. But before we continue the story of Vincent and Richard, I'd like to introduce to you my personal driver for about three months after I relocated to China as an expat. Yes, this is the same paratrooper manager experience, but in China, I want to illustrate the significance of all relationships to try to add more texture to the Chinese concept of guanxi. When you are in China, you have some level of guanxi with everyone you encounter, from the CEO of your largest client to the receptionist at your hotel or even the baoan at your living complex. Baoans are government-assigned security personnel stationed at every gate or entrance of every business complex, including your apartment. And your guanxi with the baoan can pay dividends beyond what most of you can imagine. Which brings me to Xiao He, my driver in Shanghai, before I was able to get my Chinese driver's license and my company car. 
Mandarin City, located in Gubei in the Hongqiao district of Shanghai, was one of the earliest expat communities. During the time I was there, it was dominated by Taiwanese and Korean families that were living in China. But many wealthy Chinese real estate investors had purchased units to rent as service departments to foreigners. Mandarin City has a resort-style pool, is close to an international school for the children of foreigners living in China, and had plenty of well-lit tennis courts. But beyond the amenities, it was in an ideal location. Mandarin City was the closest point in Shanghai to commute to Taizang in Suzhou, which is where our office was located. I'd always dreamed of an expat assignment in China, but I didn't exactly want to live near the underdeveloped industrial area where our company had decided to build its factory and China headquarters. Mandarin City is within walking distance of Lao Wai Street, a pedestrian alley of Western-style bars, clubs, and restaurants. From where I lived, it was just across a pedestrian bridge spanning Middle Ring Road, so I didn't have to worry about driving or taxis after a few too many drinks after work. But when I did need a taxi, there were two options. I could walk to the gate and flag down a taxi because Mandarin, Mandarin City is a gated community, or I could hire a Heite Siji, which is an unofficial taxi from someone using their personal car to earn fares. Now, you might be asking, how are these types of drivers getting into a gated community? Well, it's all part of the gray or shadow economy in China. Many unregistered migrants in big cities who don't have a hukou, which is an official city residency permit, earn a living through unofficial means. Xiao He, who eventually became my personal driver, came to Shanghai with his wife and daughter from Anhui, which is known to Chinese in big cities like Shanghai as poor and underdeveloped. So drivers like Xiao He would share a small percentage of their earnings with the Bao An, so they're allowed to circle inside the gated community and ask residents whether they needed a ride. Sometimes you can negotiate a lower fare, say if you're going somewhere that would take more than an hour, but usually the benefit is you get to ride in a more comfortable car than a normal Shanghai taxi, which are rickety, raggedy rides with sticky plastic seats and the smell of cigarettes. Regular taxis are also usually very hot in the summertime because the drivers are trying to save on gas until their passengers ask them to have the air conditioning turned on. The first time I got into Xiaohe's Buick was when I was flying out of Pudong International Airport, which was over an hour's ride from Gubei. I sat in the front seat because I enjoyed chatting with the local drivers. They can provide you all sorts of insights, not only for rich restaurants or tourist attractions are worth going to, but also regarding how local Chinese people think about the things going on inside China. Their perceptions are, for me, an indicator of the media they consume, and it's the sentiments of real Chinese. Since Chao He wasn't from Shanghai, our conversation quickly took a different route. I spent about 10 minutes persuading him to call me Jean instead of Lao Ban, which means boss or business owner a common reference to give face to any client or customer. The fact that I was able to convince him to address me more personally gave me a positive impression that he was more authentic and down-to-earth. 
Some unofficial drivers like to dress the part, wearing white dress shirts, dark slacks, and a formal jacket. But Xiao He was wearing a t-shirt, pants that looked like worn dockers, and old shoes that looked like some unbranded Chinese sneaker. He offered me a cigarette, but when I said I didn't smoke, he didn't either. I eventually told him why I moved to Shanghai and that I was working in Taichung, which is why I was living in Mandarin City. In China, there are several steps before you get your China driver's license. There's a standardized test, which you can take in English, but the English manual is poorly translated and many of the questions didn't make a lot of sense. I failed the Chinese driver's license exam my first time. Foreigners also had the option to take the Chinese exam with the help of a translator. My sales assistant or secretary whom I had just hired had proudly told me that she'd received a perfect score on her driver license exam because she wanted to buy her first car. So for her next assignment, she accompanied me as my translator to take the China driver's license exam in Chinese. I passed. And yes, as you might imagine, while she was translating to me in English during our exam, she would simply tell me in English what the correct answers were. For the officials at the exam office, they could really care less what we were saying to each other. And by the way, I could have also passed the exam by finding a way to deliver a monetary gift to someone in charge. This is simply how China's gray economy works, but it also provides important insights into the mindset of most Chinese people for deals big and small. Before I could take the driver's license test, I also had to complete a series of health and eye exams. Add that to the time I needed to choose my company car between business trips to Europe and the rest of Asia, and I would need to be driven to and from the office for at least several months. It ended up being about five months before I was able to drive myself to work in my new company car. In the meantime, the company arranged for a normal taxi to pick me up every morning and drive me home every evening. Between Gubei and Taichung, it was at least 70 minutes one way. And if you caught rush hour traffic, say on a Friday, it could easily be two or more hours in that uncomfortable taxi cab. After a few weeks of commuting back and forth, I found out that the company paid the hired driver 250 RMB each way, or 500 RMB per day. So for that same amount, I arranged Xiao He to drive me to and from work, to be my personal driver five days a week for 2,500 RMB, which for him was a great deal from having to hustle for rides and share commissions with the security guards. And it was a win-win for me because my expense didn't change, but I got to sit in a more comfortable Buick. So for two plus hours every day, I chatted with Xiao He in the front seat and we really got to know each other. I think we became friends, which is a higher level of guanxi than a business associate. It wasn't worth it for Xiao He to drive back to Shanghai after he dropped me off. So he would just hang out all day in Taichung until I was ready to leave. Initially, he would hang out at an internet cafe or wang ba, but he later purchased a bucket and a fishing rod, and he would fish all day in a local stream until I was ready to go home. Having fresh fish to eat, and I use the term fresh loosely, was an additional benefit for Xiao He. 
He was making 500 RMB per day, less his gas expense, plus having fish to bring home for his wife to cook for dinner. I would use Halha for airport rides and for personal needs over the weekend, but I never paid him more than normal rates. The business side of our relationship evolved to where I would just text him when to pick me up, and he often would wait outside wherever I was until I was ready to leave. Even once when I didn't finish my evening till after 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. We never needed to discuss his fee beforehand. I just paid him what I felt was reasonable and he would always thank me, no matter the amount. Now, how many people from Anhui are there in Shanghai? And how many of them do you think Xiaohe knows? Well, it turns out he knows them all. What I mean is, he is connected to all of them through their Guanxi network of being a migrant in Shanghai from Anhui. Why is this important? Well, I'll get to that later, but as our relationship deepened and my wife was finally able to join me in Shanghai, Xiaohe and I began spending time together outside of him driving me around. After I invited him to join me for a drink on Lawai Street one day after work, he then invited my wife and I to a hot pot dinner at his home. He lived in what I would describe as a Shanghai ghetto, a collection of small, single-room apartments where all the tenants shared a community bathroom. The entrance to their compound was behind a set of buildings, dimly lit by a few hanging bare light bulbs on a wire. There were people walking around with flip-flops and a couple shirtless children also running around. We arrived to a small room that was smaller than my dorm room in college. His wife was cooking hot pot with a small pot on a stand by the entrance because there wasn't a kitchen or anything of the sort. And his daughter was lying on the bed watching a small analog TV that was on the edge of the bed that occupied more than a third of the room. Xiaohe unfolded a small table and we had dinner and chatted just like normal friends would. My wife and I initially sat on the bed while they had to stand and eat. So eventually I let his wife sit while Xiaohe and I drank cold Qingdao beer that he had prepared. Once we were all enthralled by the Chinese eating and drinking rituals, the surroundings of his humble little apartment became a complete afterthought. During our evening, somehow it was revealed that my birthday was the following week, so during our following rise to work, Xiaohe kept insisting to invite me to dinner at a restaurant. Eventually, I reluctantly accepted his invitation, knowing his approximate financial situation. It turns out Xiaohe's brother and his family are also living in Shanghai when I met them for dinner at my birthday party, which was a full-course Chinese dinner with lots of ganbei or bottoms-up drinking and the singing of a happy birthday song when my cake was served. As with the case with Vincent, our guanxi deepened to another level when our families and extended families got to know each other. But on the other side, I never met Richard's wife or daughter or any other family member. Richard did meet my wife once when he insisted to invite us to dinner after work, just the three of us. So what does this reveal about the difference in mindset between Richard, who was my direct report, and Vincent and Xiaohe regarding our Li Yi Guanxi and their internal calculations. And why might someone be concerned about further deepening Guanxi 
when it is the key to unlocking a world of benefits. Hey, this is Gene. Thank you for listening. And I hope you're enjoying this podcast as an instrument to really feel the nuances of living and working in China. In case you're not subscribed, please do so to hear how my relationship with an unofficial taxi driver gave me tremendous leverage. We'll also explore how Vincent and I formalized our partnership and how things eventually broke down. And you'll also learn how Richard's true intentions were finally revealed and what happened next. 